0: And welcome to another episode of Arte Labore, a Blackburn Rovers podcast from the Lancashire Telegraph. A good week for Blackburn Rovers, rounding off before the international break, I'm joined as always by Ryan Hildred. Ryan, hello, how was your weekend? Fantastic. All down to London this weekend. What were we all worried
1: about? What were we worried crisis. about? Crisis. What crisis? <laughs> <laughs> but no, fantastic weekend. Uh, first time to London for the boys. So we made a mini day of it on Saturday down at QPR. So that was great. So, as you say, wrapping it up nicely, ready for the international break. So, feeling good. I've heard a rumour that there's a certain chant that's going around your household. <laughs> the uh, straight back down chant, uh, which I heard constantly down South Africa Road after the game. Uh, my youngest in particular has taken a liking to, particularly on Wood Lane Underground Station after the game. Uh,
0: as you've just re- described it, he started chanting while you were surrounded by normal people. <laughs> yes, because
1: we well, we know that footy fans aren't normal. So yeah, the the normal folk of this world were wondering what the hell my uh, my seven year old was doing after the game. But um, yeah, probably a
0: thought that you've had yourself many a time. Absolutely, but
1: uh, do you know what? That's what it's all about. Uh, days like that. So uh, I'm feeling good this Monday.
0: Excellent. We will come on to the fun stuff very shortly, but we will start, as we usually do, with the Coventry game in midweek, which, of course, ended 1-0 to the Sky Blues. There wasn't a lot wrong, again, with and it's it's nice to be able to look back and say these things, having won, obviously, at the weekend, but... At the time, and you know the reporting people can go and read my match report and things like that. There wasn't a lot wrong at Coventry. It was a better performance in terms of defensive structure, solidity. They didn't give a lot away, and it's an, it's just it just was one of them games that we saw like last season where they lose one nil at Cardiff, they lose one nil at Wigan, they lose one nil at Birmingham, like games that just should be a draw or even Rovers probably edged slightly. I thought in terms of the balance of play. That said, Coventry did have their chances too. Um, they hit the woodwork three times, and then the fourth um, was part of the goal, which Hadji right, of course, headed in. It was just a if you can't win it, don't lose it. But there was big moments in the game, of course, and none more so than the Andrew Moran uh, decision, which the referee gave. And we we're all waiting. We're just sat. It was on our side where the the press box is, um, and we we're just waiting for him to blow. No, not necessarily because we knew it was a foul, because you couldn't really see, but more because goalkeepers are so heavily protected. And then for him to be so adamant not to give it and then go over to the linesman to discuss it as if the linesman had got a better vantage point in any way, shape or form. Having seen the replay, I I think it probably is the right decision to rule it out. But I don't think either the referee or the linesman really knew that. I, I, I think they've guessed, if I'm being completely honest. So I think they just about got to the right decision. But it was certainly a muddled process to get there. And that was obviously a huge moment in the game.
1: Yeah, I've read it like you, to be fair. Um, I do think it was a foul on first few, Um, and, and I was also waiting for it as well. But it's one of those decisions where uh, Rovers come out the other end uh, of that decision, if that's against us. So had Coventry, you know, scored, inverted commas, that goal, I've got no doubt that the goal probably stands. because didn't as help it with look. the same referee as the handball incident <laughs> in, in, at the end of last season as well. That's right. So uh, frustrating in that regard. The right decision, but the way they got to it was deeply frustrating. And yeah, why he's going over to his assistant to to obviously make that decision, who knows. But the right decision, frustratingly. Uh, just going back to the game and, and the things you said about the 1-0, it's a frustrating result to take because obviously Rovers visibly set up that game uh, to keep it more tight. We've spoken about the chaotic nature of Rovers this season and the formation that we've been playing and the goals that we've been conceding, etc. So for us to lose a game one nil after setting up so tight and and looking fairly solid was was frustrating. But it was that age old age old adage from last season, wasn't it, that one nil is enough to beat Rovers and and that's the frustration there. But um yeah, actually if you do boil it down to the chances though, if you're a Coventry fan, hitting the woodwork three times in a game, you're probably thinking, Yeah, we could have won by more than three goals. But Let's not rule out the absolute thunder B-word from James Hill as well. What a strike that was.
0: Uh, we were right behind it, again, with the, the vantage point we got in the press box, right behind it, and he absolutely levered that. I think he would have took Ben Wilson into the goal with him had it been an inch lower. He did get a good hand on it. Um, yeah, but there, there wasn't a lot in the game. Of course, Jon made some changes, as you always expected, having lost three in a row before that game and given it was a a busy schedule. James Hill came in at right back. I think we'll touch on him a little bit more when we go into the QPR game. Uh, Walstead came in. I thought he looked solid. I thought he looked good at QPR as well. Distribution-wise, pretty unflappable. Um, And you would say that was probably one of Pairs' greatest strengths as well on the early viewing. I think he's at least on par with Pairs in that sense. Pulled off some good saves at QPR in crucial moments as well. Um, And also, I think he gets a touch on there effort from Bobby Thomas that hits the crossbar. I think he gets a little flick on it, so that's a really good save as well. There wasn't a lot in the game. Rovers of course had an extra defender in and I do think that made them more solid, but they were just missing a bit of a spark in attack. And I don't necessarily think that was because they had a slightly more defensive backline. I think it was more just, you know, lacking a focal point. Sam Smod played as the false nine again, which is not his best position and I you know, I asked John about that. After the game, and he admitted that it's not his best position at all. No surprise then that we saw him obviously revert back into a more deeper number eight position against QPR, and was far more influential as we'll come on to. But yeah, it just just didn't quite click. Didn't get the rub of the green with the refereeing decision with Moran. And if you can't if you can't win it, don't lose it. And it's a little bit lucky in the way that it bounces down off the bar and writes and there. But again, it's always the strikers that are following it in. And if if you know no one from a rose perspective does react quite as quickly to the ball and they're really just just disappointing as you say when they've lost three games having played well that was again another game they just shouldn't have lost it should have been a draw at worst
1: yeah I think that's the overriding feeling Elliot Um, as I say setting up the game visibly tight uh, and bringing James Hill into that back line and and obviously having more defenders on the pitch it's a really simple goal to concede really you know I'm telling my 11 year old and my seven year old follow it in follow it in that's what you tell lads you know that you're that you're coaching in the game at a young age and Yeah, striker's instinct to to finish it there. And I think all the hard work that we've done in that game, I spoke on last week's podcast about my views about Coventry and how they always seem to have our number and it's a tough place to go to do all of that hard work and ride our luck and and obviously with the efforts that they had off the crossbar. And seemingly that game was going to peter out for a nil-nil, which you know then followed up with the QPR win. Four points from those two games would have been great for us. But to lose a simple goal in that manner at that stage in the game was really disappointing and you're right, it was a, a fairly nothing game. I don't think we saw that open expansive Rovers. I don't actually think Coventry were that massive a threat either. I thought the likes of Sims no, and, and others were quite quiet. So it was a, a fairly dull affair, actually a dull championship midweek affair. And it's one of those that you've got to come out on the right side, as, as you've said, if you're not going to, um, if you're not going to lose it, if you're not going to win it, then don't lose it. And, and that's why it's disappointing in that regard. So Yeah, it was one of those sucker punches. We've had them at Coventry before. It wasn't the 98th minute this time, but um, about 10 minutes away from that, wasn't it? So, yeah, it was um, four defeats on the spin. And if I compare how I was feeling now to to how I was feeling at the full-time whistle on on Wednesday evening, I I was feeling quite down in the dumps, actually, because turned up the pressure a little bit on this QPR game that we're going to chat about shortly. Um, You know, no side wants to lose four games on the spin. And certainly not a side where I think we have been playing well. You know, if we were genuinely a rubbish side, if we were genuinely not playing good football, if we were just slogging it, hoofing it, and, you know, stinking out the championship, then maybe I could take four defeats on the spin. But to be playing the way that we have this season, to find ourselves down in 20th and four defeats on the spin, it's quite a bitter pill to swallow, actually.
0: Yeah, completely. Let's go on to the fun stuff. Right. QPR at the weekend. Blackburn Rovers back to winning ways. 4 0 at Loftus Road. Packed out away end. Mr Hildred part of that with his kids bouncing around. And any doubts about Jon and the, the strategy and whether there were some doubts creeping in quickly eradicated. And and from the moment Tyree Stolen turned in Joe Rankin Costello's cross, it was one way traffic. It was complete domination. It was Blackburn Rovers at their best, and it was it's been coming. That's been that was pretty much my verdict of the game. It has been coming, and the sort of like the if the ketchup bottle was all rammed up and you couldn't quite get it out, everything just fell out at once. And Rovers got what they deserved. The 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 first goal, J- 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 JRC's assist, incredibly similar and identical to the one he obviously got at the same end for Sam Gallagher last year, minus the beautiful scoop turn, but a great bit of skill to get around the corner as well. Probably the only player in that position that could have pulled off that sort of movement. Um and that was 1-0. Sigerson got the second. Now I know Sigerson's gonna get a lot of plaudits for the third goal. Um, his second, but I want to talk about the second because it's such good movement to get across the defender to anticipate the ball. Again, very similar move. Rovers exploiting that space down QPR's right and uh, well, QPR's left, Rover's right channel. Smodic's getting the ball across, Sigerson gets in front of his man, good finish, poaches like instinct and Spoke to Jon after the game, obviously as a former striker, and said for a player that's playing wide left to come that far into the box, just brilliant movement, the sort of thing you can't really teach. The third goal was immense too. QPR gave him way too much space, but boy, did he exploit that but battering one into the bottom corner. And rovers were excellent, weren't they? Sigurdsson really does look like the marquee signing, which we we hoped he would be. You know, there was a little bit of fear in my mind that Because Rovers have got the problem not scoring goals, not taking the chances that everyone's like, Sigerson will come back and fix it. Sigerson, well, hang on, we we don't really know a lot about this lad. He's had a serious groin injury. What if he takes a while to get up to speed? What if he doesn't quite adapt to English football? Nah, none of it. Straight into the fold, scoring goals. And he looks like he could be the difference maker for Rovers this season.
1: Yeah, he does. And I'll come on to him in a moment. And as
0: ever, just take these in, in the order
1: of the game, Elliot, just to... To provide a bit of balance, actually, Um, I thought QPR did start the game quite well, actually, in that first five or ten minutes. And actually, within the first couple of minutes, uh, Hayden Carter got rolled a couple of times, uh, once by Sinclair Armstrong uh, and then the other by Lyndon Dykes. And I was a bit worried. I was like, ooh, actually, if uh, if Carter... Sinclair Armstrong looked good, didn't he? He was their best player by a mile. He was. Their left channel was where anything was going to happen for them. So they had Armstrong going down that left channel and they had Powell from uh, left back getting forward quite a lot and overlapping. So they were looking dangerous down that left side. And what I will say, it was a bit of a masterstroke from JDT actually playing James Hill at right back because it gave Carter that cover and that support. So I don't know if JDT had done his homework on QPR and, and the left channel with Sinclair, Armstrong and Powell. If he did, and putting James Hill at right back there, masterstroke. Because James Hill was fantastic and really supported Hayden Carter. So, yeah, we did well to to ride a, a mini wave at the start of that game. Walsh Stepp made a smart save as well at his near post. So, the first goal was the really, really critical goal in this contest. And you're right, once it, that first goal had gone in, it was one-way traffic. But I'm delighted for Ty Dolan, actually. Because I think Ty Dolan, when he burst onto the scene, was just an absolute talisman, really. You know, we signed him on a free from Preston. We've got all the bragging rights around that. Absolutely effervescent, energetic player who the the fans loved. And maybe by his own admissions and his own standards, maybe he might think that he's not hit his own standards and his his own levels over the last year or so. So for him to finish the ball well, the way that he did, it was a really classy finish, I thought. And actually, I thought, overall, a really good game from him on Saturday. I was delighted for Dolan to for him to get the goal and with his weaker foot as well it was a smart finish really smart finish
0: from him he's had he's had a good week Dolan I I thought he was quite lively when he came on against Leicester until the third goal went in which I I think I spoke about on last week's podcast and then I thought he was okay in in midweek I definitely think the setup of the team was better with him down the middle I, I don't think playing down the middle is his best position but with the players Rovers had on the pitch both on Wednesday night and on Saturday, I would have liked to have him down the middle and Smoddicks deeper. I think that's definitely the best co- combination of that group of players um, that they had on the pitch.
1: Yeah, for sure, and and with Dolan as well. You know, there is the uncertainty at the moment around the contract. We don't know what Dolan's intentions are with that. You might know more than me, Elliot, but that will hang over him. He's seeing all of his teammates sign these new contracts, and there's clearly a buzz around the place. And at the moment, you know, at the moment, Dolan might not know if he's part of that long term. So these are human beings that we're dealing with so I can cut Dolan some slack in that regard and and hopefully he does sign that new contract so great that he got the goal and then yeah on to the classy Iceman I mean brilliant movement. Ooh, we spoke the classy to- Iceman I like that a lot that's good. The to classy play. Iceman yeah I think in one of the group chats I put Ice Ice Baby when he scored his first goal so I think that um, that's what I put but uh, yeah he is just I said it last week that he uses class he absolutely does and it's it's the difference between top-level championship players and the rest. You know, that movement, that speed of thought, that quickness. You know, he's just, you know, half a yard quicker than the defender there, makes that little movement inside and, and a quality little finish. And, yeah, he is quickly becoming a talismanic player for Rovers as well. And, and we love the talisman. We've lost Bradley Dack, We've lost Ben Berylton-Diaz. Sami Smodic, I think, has stepped up into one of those positions. absolutely. I think there's room for the Iceman to be the other because he just looks cool, doesn't he? He just looks great. He's just all round, just what a player, what a guy.
0: I thought the both goals sort of were a bit Bradley Dack with the first one and a bit Ben Baraton Diaz with the second. And in in those were the goals you'd expect them to score. You touch on Smoddicts there, he's obviously up to seven for the season. He had a couple of chances before he scored, of course. One in the first half, which he dragged a little bit on his left foot that was sort of cleared near the goal. And then obviously the one that Begovic saves and falls to Morin and somehow he misses that comes at him quite quickly. But took advantage at the third attempt. A shocking pass. I have to say, I thought their right back was absolutely horrific all game. However, young lad, I understand, also a left footer playing at right back. So not ideal. But yeah, loose pass, pounces on it. And that that was, you you know, when a player goes through the legs of the goalkeeper, that's a player in form, player in confidence. That's someone who's and fancies themselves in front of goal. He's now got seven for the season. He got six in all competitions last season, so he's already beaten that, and that's seven in the championship for him. He's the league's leading goal scorer, Um, and that made it 4-0. Rovers played out the last half an hour or so in complete control. Um, I want to talk to you about the midfield because we saw Sondre Tronstad come in for his first championship start since the opening day win over West Brom. Joe Rankin-Costello kept his place in that right central midfield role I thought I was expecting Lewis Travis to come back into the team, I have to say. Um, How do you think they did? I thought Tronstad was really good. I thought he was neat. He was tidy. And I do think there's a role for him in this team, along with Adam Wharton, because I know Adam gives you that quality from a deeper area in terms of building out from the back. But Tronstad probably not quite as good on the ball, maybe. I've not seen as much of him to make that definite decision. But that's the thinking. But it does give you more defensive solidity. He does go biting into challenges, winning the ball back neat and tidy, and maybe there is a role where you could have Smodics, Wharton and Tronstad. But then you've also got JRC. You've got, I think Travis had a good season as well this season, so let's not um, discount him by any means. I think Travis has been good this season. You've got a lot of competition, and it's interesting to see how that midfield sort of balanced up. Maybe if you haven't got Adam and his expansive passing, you need someone like JRC, um, who's a little bit more forward-thinking than Travis at times. So it's interesting how that midfield balances out. Yeah, and what
1: a problem for JDT to have because you're right, I think JRC and Tronstad have absolutely put themselves in the shop window for JDT starting 11 with how they played. So Tronstad, I'm equally delighted for Tronstad because I think he's been really unlucky this season actually. Made his debut at the start of the season at home to West Brom, wasn't it? And I think he got brought off about 65-70 minutes and then we've not really seen him. He's not really been a fixture in the first team and I don't know the reason why um, other than Adam Wharton's just brilliant and Lewis Travis has started the season really well. He's obviously
0: on a few times and it's just basically he didn't think he'd cut, he, he was struggling to get up to the speed a little bit, the intensity mm-hmm. of the division, the championships are goodly but it, that's not a slight, So sort of, John was, has been saying several times, he's a, you know even though he's an experienced person, he's a new new signing, coming into a new league, yes he's 27 but it's a different pace entirely. Just because it's the second tier of English football doesn't mean that it's the same or a lesser level as the top Mm -hmm. flight in Holland. It's a completely different ball game. The Championship's a lot more quick, relentless. um, And if you just, you know, you can't ease yourself in very easily. So there was times where, certainly um, when he wasn't on the bench for the Sunderland game and he played for the 21s, that that wasn't because James Edmondson was ahead of him in the pecking order. That was because... He might, both of them might have been an unused substitute, so why have Tronstad on the bench when he needs an hour in his legs to go and play for the twenty-one? So he's not quite been up to the level in terms of the intensity and pace, I think is what Jons, um why he's held him back a little bit. But we've seen him drip him in. He played for the 21s, did well. Came on against Leicester, looked all right. Thought he did very well at Coventry in midweek. Then he gets his start and he got a good hour under his belt. Um, and I, I think he looked good. I think he's going to be a good addition for Rovers.
1: Yeah, I think he was. And yeah, hats off to JDT again. I keep saying hats off to JDT on these podcasts. So uh, I need to have a little... I know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Tronstad showed no signs of you know fatigue or, or not being up to speed uh, with this division, with the way that he played on Saturday. And also at Coventry, I thought he had a lot of energy. I thought positionally he was fantastic. So without affecting the game in the same way that Adam Wharton does, for example, with receiving the ball all the time, Tronstad's the one who just nicks in with the little interceptions. He's always available for a pass. He was helping Dom Hayam out or Hayden Carter out when they were dropping deep. So positionally, just seemed to know where he needed to be. And, and as you say, brought that energy to the park as well, biting into the challenges. And actually, at times, starting some of our attacks as well. So if there was a you know an overturn of possession in the middle of the park, Tronstad was the one who drove forward a little bit and popped the pass off for the attacking players to go forward. So great to see Tronstad do well. Just on JRC, uh, the other one who you asked me about. I think JRC, the thing that goes under the radar with him is his physicality. So at right back, uh, he's actually very strong and very physical. And and left wingers are are up for a tough match against JRC. He's very good in the air, deceptively so, I would say. And in the centre of the park in this game, albeit against a, a poor QPR side, he absolutely, you know, against a player like Jack Colback, for example, who is a physical specimen in this division, JRC more than matched his own with the physical side that's needed at centre-mid. Then, obviously, what he's able to bring to the party from centre-mid is what we saw with the assist for the goal. By starting in that position in centre-mid, he was able to support those attacks in a different way to what he was doing at right-back, for example. So, I think JRC absolutely shown that he can mix it up with the best of him in, in that centre-midfield position because he's got the physicality to do so. Again, different player to Adam Wharton. He's not going to be the one who's wanting the ball all the time and and popping it off. But, He's certainly someone who can be creative in that sense and, and as I say, really match it on those cold, wet nights away at Stoke or whatever.
0: I think it's about the alchemy of the midfield and who else is in it. Do I think you could play Adam Wharton, Joe Rankin-Costello and Sam Smodics as a midfield three? Probably not. I think that's lacking a bit of bite. Could you play Adam Wharton and Sondre Tronstad and Smodics, or Adam Wharton, Lewis Travis and Sam Smodics, or Tronstad, JRC? Smodics, yes. I think you need one of a Tronstad or a Travis just to add a bit of buy if you're going for Adam in the deeper role. I think if you're gonna play Tronstad or you're gonna play um and play Adam further forward, or maybe Smoddix plays further forward in terms of in the forward line, you could put Joe Rankin Costello in there. It's good, it's interesting because you'll need different game plans and different midfield dynamics for different opposition ultimately. You know, away from home at QPR is a game Rovers want to assert themselves on. I'm sure that Jon would say they want to assert themselves on every game, but there's different strength of opposition. And we're all going to QPR knowing they are one of the worst sides in the championship. And if Rovers play their best football, they're going to win the game. That's not going to be the case for every game. So you need different, um, different plans, different ideas for different opposition
1: and I think that's a good word that you use there alchemy and and I think for two players in particular that kind of rotation that change that different um you know selection that we've got is important for two players one is Adam Wharton so he is not going to play 46 games in a season and as a 19 20 year old we cannot afford to burn him out you know we've seen it with young lads throughout history really you know we've seen young lads play loads of minutes and then they burn out their careers and they're not the player who we thought they were going to be so Jan is going to need to manage Adam Wharton's minutes really carefully this season. So like what we saw at QPR, if it's Tronstad and JRC allows us to play without Adam Wharton, that protects him. The other one is Lewis Travis, because Lewis Travis is just a rough and tumble player who's absolutely tearing about the place all the time. And we've seen it to maximum effect this season. He ain't going to be able to do that over a 46-game season and indeed 90 minutes of every single game this season as well. So when he needs a rest being able to bring in those other options, like what Tronstad did on Saturday. Energetic performance from Tronstad, who <clears throat> didn't play like what Lewis Travis does, but replicates what Lewis Travis brings onto the onto the pitch. Excuse me. It's really important to get that that different combination, that different balance. So, yeah, really, really good, Elliot, to, to see Jan being able to have those different combinations. I think the one that we might need to look at in the future, because of the reasons that I'm saying, Sami Smodic at the moment is a model pro in every sense of the word. He physically just looks absolutely on top of his game at the moment. Is he going to be able to do this over a 46-game season with the levels that he's hitting at the moment, particularly with the work rate that he's putting in? Maybe, because I don't doubt that he's got that in his locker, but... We might need to just think about you know, who's going to replace Sami Smodic as well. So it becomes a not just a two-person midfield question that we're talking here, eventually three with Sami Smodic in front. I
0: suppose you've got Moran potentially who's definitely shown that his best work comes in those central areas. So I think he he's a good, maybe not in terms of the goal threat, but he's got that drive from midfield. He can he can beat a few players. Maybe Adam could play a little bit further forward if Tronstad's behind him and maybe ranking Costello on the right. That's not, again, not quite got the same goal threat, but it's got the creativity in there. Um, I, for me, this week has just underlined. I do not want to see Sam Smith play as a false nine ever again. <laughs> uh, well, I told not, you about it's, false it's nine. He's just not as good. He's too important to this Blackburn team to be doing doggies running, trying to stretch him behind. In fact, it's not his game. Let let Ty Dolan do that. If that's if we if we're short of a striker, which Rovers have been obviously, but after the international break, you know they'll have um, Harry Leonard back. They'll have Ennis, who have have had another couple of weeks in his. Legs training, so they'll have a couple of options up front. I don't want to see Smolik's up front. I want to see him playing as a number eight, where he can be influential. He can play as a ten at times. Can drop a bit deeper, or at worst, I'd rather see him in one of the the wide slots, playing off the left. I, I don't want him up front. It just doesn't work. You don't get the best out of him. And I thought he looked excellent in that back in that central role against QPR. We talked about the d- dilemmas and the decisions in central midfield. At fullback, in particularly down, well, not even just fullback, down the right channel, Rovers have got some real options because James Hill has come in and done really well this week. I thought in particular against QPR, he was excellent, as you've just touched on there, um, playing against um, some dangerous opposition. Powell looked dangerous from left-back. That was where their threat was coming from. I thought Hill was excellent. He nearly scored as well for the second time in a week with that, that sort of looping half-volley, which uh, Begovic tipped over the bar. And again, we've got competition because you've got Callum Britton, who comes on, who can already play left back as well as right back as a right winger, he looked brilliant. Like, we, we know that Callum Britton played as a right wing back at Barnsley. He's got no issue. I've got no issue if Rovers want to go into a game with Joe Rankin Costello, right central midfield, James Hill at right back, and Callum Britton right wing, because he offered a good threat. Um, and with Hedges being out for the next, you know, three, four months, he showed another string to his bow. And for me, it just further underlined. I don't know what the best combination is and it'll depend on the opposition, but Rovers' best team has got to have Joe Rankin, Costello and Callum Britton in it, in my opinion, whether that's one at right back, one at left back, JRC in midfield, Britton on the right-hand side with hedges injured. I don't know. It depends on the opposition, but I thought they were both excellent. Um, Hill and Britton coming on at half-time. Hill's been rock solid. He's got the athleticism to play um, as that. Right centre-back in possession, but right back when um, Rovers are defending. And I thought they I thought they were just excellent defensively as well. Dom Hyam, I thought, had his best game of the season as well, I would say. And that block on the line celebrated. It was as good as a goal, wasn't it, really? And it would have been really disappointing had they come away without a clean sheet from that game because it's been a long time coming. It's only the second of the season, um, Watford away. And it was actually only their second clean sheet in 17 championship games away from home. So they really needed that,
1: yeah, and we needed that for a few reasons. Um, one is obviously the stat that you just you pulled out there for whole team level, but also for Leo Walstedt, you know, that's a confidence booster for him to to get a clean sheet. And do you know what? It would have been a travesty had QPR scored because apart from that opening spell that I spoke about in the first half, they did not threaten us in any shape or form really. So that would have been a travesty had that gone in. So brilliant to see Dom Hyam celebrate it in the way that he did and. Uh, and good for Rovers to get the clean sheet. Uh, just on Hill and Britain, uh, James Hill looks an absolute find for me. I think he just as, again as a physical specimen, he's got some pace. Um, he reads the game really well. There were a couple of challenges that he did where he kind of did a bit of a stretch and a bit of a lunge, but a really well timed one. Um, so he controlled. seems to read, the, yeah, controlled lunge in that sense. That's the the word to use. So seems to read the game really well, and he's clearly got the athleticism to you know, keep up with players like Sinclair Armstrong who are going to want to do that run and, and into that channel probably, you know, looked less vulnerable than what Hayden Carter does. You know, we saw it with Jamie Vardy, that goal at Ewood Park. Sinclair Armstrong in those first few minutes looked quite dangerous. So Hill, whether he plays as a right centre back covering for Hayden Carter when he's not available or as a right back providing some support, looks a really good player for us. So yeah, delighted to to see him do well over the week. And as for Callum Britton, this is where I uh, take my hat off to JDT again because I thought it was another masterstroke because 2-0 is the danger lead in football, isn't it? And 2-0 at half-time. I think JDT spotted that if anything was going to happen for QPR, it was going to be on that left-hand
0: side. And that so- That is what we obviously asked him, whether it was an injury to Marconde or mm-hmm. whether it was because that, and he, he said it was tactical because he thought that yep. danger was down the, the right-hand side and Dylan had played a lot of minutes recently. So yeah. that's why he made the swap.
1: And I love that. And that's what I love about JDT. So as much as, yeah, we've been complaining about leaking goals and how open we've been and how chaotic it's been, what JDT does do is fight fire with fire. And that's what he did here. Okay, if Powell's going to get forward from left back, we'll just have Callum Britton going forward from right wing back. And I tell you what, Britton just absolutely nullified Powell from that point, didn't see him. They had nothing down that left-hand side in the second half. And what we did see was obviously the Callum Britton that we've become accustomed to just brilliant at driving down that right hand side few balls into the box probably unlucky not to get an assist off one of them and you're right just every time he's come on or every time he started a game recently he's, he's looked absolutely fantastic Callum Britton so brilliant from from JDT to just bring Britton on and completely take the one threat that QPR did have in that game out of the equation and and help that second half dominant performance. I thought
0: Leo Walstead had a good game. I think, as you said, yeah. it would be quite easy to not remember a couple of big saves in the first half. One that you've touched on at his near post where Hayden Carter got rolled by Sinclair Armstrong. There was also one at, I think it was at 2-0, where it's sort of like a half volley. It's not the most powerful strike, but it's come through bodies, gets a good hand on it. Um, I thought his distribution was excellent, as I've said. There's a couple of times where he punched and I thought he could have maybe caught, but I think that's more of a stylistic thing. And the most important things were the punches. Got distance on them. They always cleared the box, which was a criticism of Pairs against Ipswich for the Luongo goal. Um, I thought he looked good and it's going to be interesting. Obviously, Pairs was initially ruled out for three to four weeks, so we will not be back until probably the Swansea game, maybe just after that. And Leo's doing everything. I think this week has been a good week for him and it'll build his confidence as well.
1: Yeah, definitely, because we've spoken a lot about Ainsley Pairs and and all of that, but actually there's pressure on Leo Walsh here because, yeah, as much as we're saying we want to see him in goal, actually that carries with it pressure. We've seen David Rea yesterday looking nervous as hell against Man City. So, you know, this thing carries pressure. So Walsh, yeah, hasn't really put a foot wrong over this week. I think the punching, you're right. I don't mind the punches if he's getting the distance and, you know, it's actually clearing the danger in that sense because it's no different to just catching it and starting an attack. So you know, if he's if he's going to do that, yeah, let's make it count. And and so far he has. So yeah, really good to to finally see him in a Rover shirt. I've been saying on these podcasts about the proactive keeping and the different goalkeeping style. If I'm being honest, I've not seen the difference yet. I don't think we've really seen that he's going to be... Small sample a different... size, isn't it? Exactly that. So whether we'll see it after the international break, whether JDT will work with the defence and, and with Walsh on how we might want to play differently out from the back or do something, who knows? But At the moment, he's just come in and and replicated like for like Hainsley pairs, I would say. And yeah, and looked a really solid uh, understudy slash number one in that regard.
0: Yeah, because it could, you know, everyone we've been talking about Walstead coming in for pairs, but no one knows a lot about Walstead. If he'd come in and dropped a clanger, two clangers this week, then where do you go? Obviously, at least pairs wasn't dropped in terms of he's he's only come out of the team because he was injured, but then you've potentially got two goalkeepers the fans are a little bit nervous about. So. The fact he's come in and looks solid is, is really important for his confidence and also for JDT's confidence in, in the goalkeeping. Because whilst I'm sure he's been part of the recruitment discussions about Walstead, this is not a JDT signing, this is a Greg Broughton signing. That JDT has, of course, signed off. So he's not seen him a lot of him. And until you get that, you know, that trust from watching him in games, then you you're always going to be a little bit nervous about that. Um this this was a big game for Rose, wasn't it? Let's not make any mistake, because although We've all felt quite calm ish for a for a team that's lost four in a row in the league because the performance has been all right. Had they lost five in a row going into the international break, you know, they'd have been they could have been in the bottom three if results had gone against them. Um although none of us would have expected it. If they'd lost both games this week, that would have been real trouble going into a two week international break. To win it in such emphatic style and sort of just vindicate what we've been saying as media, what we said on this podcast, what Yondal Thompson's been said that Yes, there's been errors and yes, there's been things that aren't good enough in terms of leaking so many goals. But the bulk of Rovers' work between both 18-yard boxers is more than good enough to be a top-half, top-10 championship side. They've got some good fixtures coming after the international break. You know, They play Cardiff at home. Millwall away is never easy, but they've not been great. Millwall this season, particularly at the Den, they've been a bit leaky. Swansea at home, Swansea are in good form, but it's another game where you would like to think that if you're going to finish in the top 10, you'll win that game. So this is really important for momentum to go in and lift the mood around the club a little bit. And also for injuries coming back, you know, Niall has got 15 minutes under his belt. Um, As a substitute, he'll get another two weeks on the training ground where you'll hope that obviously he doesn't pick up any knocks. Harry Leonard will be back after the international break. Um, It's another two weeks for Sam Gallagher to return, although not expecting him until... November um, so there's, uh, there's a lot of you know this, this result really set the mood for the next two or three weeks and it's just really nice that it was a positive result
1: yeah it was a really critical game because as well I I, I don't know what ways the best way round if you play bad but still get the results or you play
0: well and you don't get the results You know, you it can catches do... up with you and it did if you remember mm. back to the start of last season that's exactly what Rovers were doing they weren't playing great but they were winning and then it caught up with them yeah
1: yeah, so it, it was a big confidence boosting win because we didn't want that spectre hanging over us going into October. Because I don't care how well we've been playing, you know, the results on paper are what count. And five defeats on the spin uh, would not have looked good for JDT and the side, regardless of how well we we're playing. And actually, had we not got the result, I just wonder whether JDT might have just started thinking, oh, I've got two weeks here to maybe think about something different or do something different. And we reflected last week that when you start doing that early on in a season, I think that's when problems can start to occur. So I'm really pleased that the JDT system and the way that we want to play has been vindicated because it just allows JDT to say, right, actually, yeah, we've got faith in the system. We know what we're going to do. But yeah, as you say, make no mistake, I went to Loftus Road, Kai and Prince Stadium, feeling quite anxious and quite nervous because... It was, um, you know, people can talk about, oh, it's early in the season and there's still loads of games to go and and all of that. No, five defeats on the spin is not good at any time in the season. So I did go with some anxiety. I was anxious in the first 10 minutes when I saw Hayden Carter get enrolled, and all of those things. So to get the result, yeah, it was was a big one. And and as you say, tease it up really nicely for those fixtures now. And we should be looking at some good points, particularly, you know, I'm looking right through November. I I don't see any reason right through until we get to Leeds at home. you know. I'm looking at those fixtures, Leeds at home in December. Why can't we go and get some really good points across all of these fixtures? So it's just taken that pressure off, allowed JDT to just breathe that energy, that freedom back into this squad and a really good morale-boosting win. And I think when Harry Leonard is back as well, that's going to be big for us because as much as, yes, we've been laughing and joking around the false nine and I mentioned Bradley Johnson and stuff last week, I still feel this side needs a focal point It needs a proper striker. And we've reflected on Ty Dolan earlier on in the podcast. He needs to be in his true position, not in that striking position. You know, you're asking him to do something there against some big centre backs, which is, you know, not great. Harry Leonard's got the speed of thought, the speed of movement, the natural striker's instinct to overcome some of that physicality stuff. So. The moment Leonard's back in this side, you know, I think will be a good one for Rovers as well. So yeah, really, really great win. Really delighted with it, and an important one for Rovers as well, despite it being early.
0: Yeah, you've just touched on it there, but we'll we'll just have a little look ahead to some of the games coming up after the international break. Say they start with Cardiff at home. That's got to be a game Rovers are targeting three points from off the back of this. They've they've had an improved September October El er- 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 side, but I still think they're a mid to lower half team when they level out over the course of forty six games. Swansea again, they've been in good form, I think they've won the last four now. But equally, again another sort of mid table team. If Rovers are gonna catapult them back themselves back up into the sort of top ten contention, these are the sort of games they've got to win. A point at Millwall wouldn't be bad if they get three points either side of it, but it's got to be a sort of week where you're looking at seven points from those those three games really.
1: Yeah, and the home form at Ewood Park in particular, you know, that's where a lot of our bases came from last season. Um, so Cardiff and Swansea with the greatest respect to every championship side, you know, unless it's the the aforementioned ones that we've spoken about before, Leicester, Leeds, etc. You know, there's no reason to fear any side like Cardiff or or Swansea coming to Ewood Park. So yeah, we've got to be targeting a couple of home wins. And then when you obviously get the results in your home games, it takes the pressure off the away games where historically being a Rovers fan our away form has always been a bit of an issue for Rovers whether we've been in the Premier League League 1 whatever you know it's always been a bit of a sticking point a, a bit of a sour point so start with your home games take the pressure off the away games and and kind of keep that points per game ratio going so Six points, I think, would be great for Rovers across that week. Seven would be magnificent. Nine would obviously be astounding. But I think it's very rare for teams to get nine points from a three-game week, isn't it? I don't think many do it that often. So if we can get some good results in the home games and, and pick up a point at Millwall. I think that would end October really well and set up that trip to Stamford Bridge with some confidence in the uh, in the legs.
0: I've just seen the tickets have gone on sale this morning. There's 3,000, so that, that'll that be good. Hopefully, that'll get sold out. I'd expect it will do. You're planning to go, aren't you, if you can get all the tickets? I am, yeah. Yeah, I'll be planning on going there, so that would be good. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. Right, hopefully, we've given you a little bit of a, a positive bounce to head into the international break with. Thank you for listening, as always. And there'll be no podcast next week with, obviously, no... Um, football to react to but we will be releasing a couple of interviews um, from pieces last month my interview with Greg Broughton and also my interview with Ryan Nelson which you probably read already we'll put those out in audio form across the feed so make sure you are subscribed to Arte Labore in your podcast app and they'll come across next week so you've got something to listen to make sure you're following the Lancashire Telegraph at Blackburn Rovers and make sure you check out the website for the most comprehensive Blackburn Rovers coverage this season special offer at the moment of £5 for five months if you subscribe to Lancashire Telegraph. You'll get a better reading experience with fewer ads and there'll be some subscriber-only content across the international break and beyond. So plenty of perks if you've got the money to go and support some local journalism. You can also get an annual subscription for £35 a month at the minute, which is a discount of about... 20% 30% I think at the moment so some good offers there if you're fancying getting your teeth into some international break content thank you for listening and we'll catch you next week for another episode of the Arte Labore podcast